you found the Digging Oak Island podcast, a podcaster's journey to discover the truth behind the Oak Island mystery. I'm Dave McBride. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. Don't forget, you can help out the show by leaving us a five-star rating on iTunes, or Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, please subscribe there. And I invite you to join us on Twitter and Facebook. You can follow the show at Digging Oak Island. First, let me just say a thank you to everyone who has stayed subscribed and waited so patiently for the podcast to uh, start back up again. Uh, taking on the job as part-time kindergarten teacher for my son, who can only go to school two days a week due to the COVID pandemic, just uh, made it really impossible to put in the time needed to do the research. Not so much the recording, but really the research and the writing um, You know, for the type of off-season shows that I want to produce. But with Season 8 of The Curse of Oak Island scheduled now to air in just a couple of weeks, I thought it was time to get back on the horse, so to speak, and restart a regular schedule of weekly podcasts that should, hopefully weekly, that should last throughout the next few months or so while the show is airing. Certainly we'll do a weekly podcast uh, for each and every show as long as something crazy doesn't happen here. Uh, So the plan is to do a couple of shows over the next few weeks here um, and Hopefully, they'll serve to sort of wrap up the off-season a bit and some of the subjects we've talked about and look forward to the new season. Okay, before you ask, uh, I will say I do have some vague idea of what has been happening on Oak Island over this summer's search season. Uh, I've poked around and talked to a few people with knowledge, but the risk of being something of a tease here, I think I'm going to keep that info to myself and just kind of let the show play out. Maybe maybe, maybe as we get closer to episode one, uh, which, by the way, is scheduled to air on November 10th. Maybe I'll talk a little bit more about what I've learned. Uh, but for now, let's put the show to the side for a couple weeks and deal with some other Oak Island topics just to kind of wrap up here. But now, having said all that, uh, and with the approaching new television season in mind, let me say... Um, Let me just tell you one of the things I want to do, uh, what I'm hoping to do for the final preseason podcast, the one I want to release right before the first one I do on season eight, right before the season eight debut. I'd like to just turn an episode over to you guys, to all the listeners here for your predictions and what you're hoping to see in the upcoming season. There are a few ways you can do this. Um, Send me an email or you can even send a voice message if you want to diggingoakisland at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just put at Diggin Oak Island into the search bar and Diggin doesn't have a G at the end. Uh, you can send me a direct message through those uh, social media sites or whatever works for you, really. Like I said, let's do predictions of what you think might happen during season eight and or maybe even something of like a wish list of what you would like to see happening here. Uh, where do you want the team to focus? You know, what techniques should they be using? Which areas of research or theorizing? That sort of thing. Now, before we get into today's show, I need to mention some very sad news regarding the Curse of Oak Island family. Kevin Burns, the producer and basically the creative force behind the Curse of Oak Island, died suddenly at the end of September of a heart attack. He was 65 years old. Uh, Burns was the president and really the man who created the company we know as Prometheus Entertainment, which is the company, the production company that makes the show. He also makes many other History Channel shows, such as Ancient Aliens, uh, America's Book of Secrets. There's also many other ones that are not just found in the History Channel, uh, including an incredible um, history with a show called Biography, which like ran forever on A&E, and even things like the new Netflix Lost in Space series. Uh, Burns, Mr. Burns really was a giant in the industry for decades, and he leaves behind quite a legacy. Now, what this means for the future of Prometheus and the shows it produces... Uh, It's really hard to say at this point, but regardless, 
I want to thank Mr. Burns for bringing us our favorite show. And uh, of course, we here wish all the best to his family and friends. So here's the plan for today. For the last few weeks, I've been getting a number of emails and such from you guys, and I really just wanted to take today's podcast to catch up on all those uh, so we don't forget about them before the new show um, starts to air. So let's take a quick break here, and when we come back, we're going to answer your emails. Now, most of the emails, I must admit, are regarding a podcast I released in September called Could the Money Pit Really Just Be a Sinkle? Now, if you haven't listened to it, I invite you to go back and download that one. It's an interview with a Canadian geologist named Dr. Stephen Aiken, who has studied the geology around the money pit and has concluded that it is nothing more than a naturally forming geological phenomenon known as a sinkhole. I asked our listeners after the interview for your feedback and the and you know about this discussion, which I knew would generate a wide variety of reactions. And as always, you guys delivered. So let's get to those reactions. Our first email on the subject of the sinkhole comes from Tim in Winnipeg, who writes about that interview. Today's podcast on sinkholes was fantastic. It was so refreshing to hear from someone who isn't just selling something. I didn't understand three quarters of what he said, but even still... I could tell he knows what he's talking about. It's not just a bunch of hogwash. I'm not necessarily a full skeptic, but that end of the spectrum is highly underserved. You are definitely on the right track by looking at geological structures in Nova Scotia history on the previous podcast. Thank you very much for what you're doing. I really appreciate it. Tim, thank you for your email. I appreciate you for taking the time to write that. And your comments allow me the opportunity here to sort of set out once again my mission statement, so to speak, for this show, especially for the many new listeners that we've had over the course of this you know, show being out there. Uh, and many of you may not have heard me say this before. As I proudly announce at the top of every single episode, I'm on a journey to discover the truth behind the Oak Island mystery. That is this show's number one goal above all. Yes, I love the television broadcast. I love the cast of the show. I love the entire 200 plus years of history behind the treasure hunt and all the intrigue and puzzlement that goes along with it. I've read so many theories and ideas, and I find myself interested and fascinated by almost all of them. But I am not what one would call a true believer. Like all such mysteries, and in that I include things like um, UFOs, the paranormal, conspiracy theories, cryptozoology, that kind of thing. In all such areas, I'm what I would call, <laughs> kind of, you know, <laughs> make my own little description here, interested yet fascinated skeptic. Let me explain it like this. I am as interested in finding out what the quote-unquote real-world explanation for why thousands of people have claimed to see a giant eight-foot bipedal hairy hominid in the woods of North America as I am by the possibility that something like that actually exists. Does that make sense? I'm as interested in what could be causing folks to think they just saw a flying saucer as I am in the idea of alien life flying around Earth's atmosphere. It's all intriguing to me. But what draws me into the Oak Island mystery more than any of those others that I mentioned there is just how dense and how layered it all is. This is a mystery not based solely on eyewitness accounts or grainy photos or, or even some recently discovered secret government documents. It's based on centuries and centuries of digging, exploring, researching, and so on. Theories around this mystery involve over 800 years of human history. 
and includes everything from pirates to painters, kings and queens and founding fathers, armies to explorers, and, and everything in between. And after well over two centuries of trying to get to the truth, trying to get physically and metaphorically to the bottom of all this, we're no closer than we were in 1795. Not really. But what that means to me is not that I want or that I'm rooting for, to use that term there, to be some fantastic treasure filled with gold bars and crown jewels. I'm not watching the show every week hoping for religious artifacts to come out of there or the lost manuscripts of Shakespeare you know, to be pulled out of some giant hole in the ground. I am truly being 100% honest with you when I say that all I want is the truth. Even if that truth doesn't turn out to be some crazy cachet of riches or history-shattering discovery, all I want to know is what is all of this? Why have people been so convinced something is indeed down there for decades and decades that one after another will come to this little island off the coast of Nova Scotia and risk their lives and their lives' fortunes to find whatever might be down there? And if that answer is you know, nothing but a naturally occurring geological formation, then so be it. But I do have a problem or two with Dr. Aiken's theory, if I'm honest. I'll mention another one in a few minutes, but the first one I'll mention here echoes what you said in your email here, Tim. I'll gladly admit that I, too, didn't understand three quarters of what he said, maybe even more. And that does make it really hard for me to truly decide whether or not this is the one answer to the mystery, that this is all just decades of wishful thinking. And Tim, I think I may have mentioned that after the interview concluded that I also share your frustration and how this theory and really the science behind it is just basically ignored by the television show. Although, come on, we can understand why, right? I can't see ratings <laughs> being particularly high for a show that focuses on uh, you know, the science of geological formations. Maybe I'm wrong, but let's face it. I would imagine pirates and medieval knights are way better subjects for the advertising departments who fund this entire broadcast. Anyway, thank you so much for the email, Tim. Let's stay on the subject of sinkholes and turn to Joseph, who writes, Love the show. Found it a little over a month ago. Finally gone through all of them. Man, Joseph. I don't know that I can listen to my voice that much, uh, but thank you anyway. Uh, anyhow, if the money pit were indeed a sinkhole, how do you explain the platforms and other things that have come out of the money pit? My opinion, people, even scientists and so-called experts in the field, uh, in these fields of study, ignore way too much to try to push their points out there. Keep up the good work. Now, along those same lines, I want to bring in another email just to kind of discuss this subject more generally. Uh, this one comes from our friend Matt in Pennsylvania who asks... The September episode with geologist Dr. Stephen Aitken blew my mind. I hate to say it, but I thought the whole story was a sinkhole from day one. The fact that Dr. Aitken brought some science to the table really convinced me that there is nothing buried in that small island off the coast of Nova Scotia. The only question I would ask is, how did the fragments of bone and parchment end up that far underground? Are these artifacts coming in from currents that bring ocean water in with the tides, or are they left from the searchers who lost their lives in the collapse of the money pit? I would love to hear Dr. Aiken's explanation and reasoning on this. I know you wanted to avoid discussing archaeology with him, but I would like to know if there is a scientific hypothesis for the small number of artifacts discovered in the money pit and surrounding areas. Thanks again for answering my questions. Your podcast is the best. Thank you so much, Matt. Uh, okay, so when I decided to pursue the possibility of an interview with Dr. Aiken and head on an exploration um, 
you know, to go down this ro- road of the sinkhole theory, these two questions were both exactly what came to my mind. And also what I absolutely knew would be the first thing out of my listeners after hearing this interview. Before my discussion with Dr. Aiken, we corresponded a number of times about his theories and the possibility of having him presented here on the show. During those conversations, he said, quote, I'm not an archaeologist and I can't debate the merits of artifacts found on the island. And he repeated this idea to me several times during our discussions and also during the interview as well. The fact is, Dr. Aiken is not at all interested in the artifacts found on the island over the centuries. And I would imagine even less interested in artifacts only claimed to be found, but which have seemingly disappeared over the years, which is a lot. His analysis of the geology when you think about it, is not at all affected by such artifacts. In his mind, and he's not wrong here, let me just say this, uh, but in his mind, whatever various things the treasure hunters have found, that doesn't change the scientific facts that he's working with when formulating this theory. The science and the archaeology kind of need to work in tandem, I think, and maybe even the archaeology needs to work in tandem with the science when you really get down to it, because archaeology doesn't disprove science. And regardless of what the archaeology might uncover, the geology remains what it is. Let me put that a different way. The reason I group these two emails together is because not only do they deal with the same subject, but they also seem to take this subject from almost completely opposite angles. Let me explain. Both bring in the idea of the non-geological evidence, the the archaeological artifacts or evidence, that kind of thing as a reason to question or even possibly disprove the theory of the money pit being just a sinkhole. Certainly, this is a perfectly logical train of thought. But notice the difference in these emails and how this train of thought is followed by each of these listeners. Joseph thinks that the the archaeological evidence, the artifacts, actually serve to disprove or potentially put into question the geological theory. He's taking the angle of really fitting the science around the artifacts found around the treasure hunting while Matt is exploring the opposite possibility of how to fit the, what has been found into the geology. Does that all make sense? Unfortunately, the problem for the believer to use that word in this conversation is the science doesn't really ever change. We can question and maybe find out the authenticity of artifacts, but it's hard that that's much easier to do than to change what the geology is telling us. Whether we're talking about platforms or human bones or pieces of parchment, whatever, the science remains the same with or without these things. So with that in mind, let me answer Joseph's statement of, in my opinion, people, even scientists and so-called experts in the fields of study, ignore way too much to try to push their point out there. Is that really what you think is happening here? I'm not sure I, I think that. I mean, maybe it is, but... I think my best response would be, are they ignoring it or does it even matter to their theory and their field of study in the first place? Or is Matt's idea of finding a, quote, scientific hypothesis for the number of artifacts discovered in the money pit and surrounding area, end quote, kind of the better road to go down? Because in my mind, that seems the more logical path. Am I wrong here? It would seem to me that all of the stuff found in the money pit or wherever on the island has no real impact on the geological studies and evidence that Dr. Aiken is presenting in his work. I mean, that stuff would be there whether we found a medieval cross or not. But 
Perhaps the same geological evidence can, as Matt suggests, offer a possible explanation for why all the stuff ended up down there. If not by the Knights Templar or whoever you think it might be. Is there some other way, some other scientific explanation that fits into the geology? Now, as far as I know, such an explanation has not really been theorized all that much, but I think you get my point. With all that in mind, let's bring in another email. This one from Aaron in Minnesota who writes, Thanks for your interview with Dr. Aiken. It's refreshing to hear a scientist like this instead of people who we usually get on the TV show with their star maps or nonsensical codes hidden in books. His explanation for the flooding was convincing. It's always bothered me that they can't find hard evidence of flood tunnels or the alleged box drains in Smith's Cove. It seems a stretch that ancient man-made box drains could flood not only the money pit, but seemingly every hole ever dug anywhere on the island. Do you have any thoughts on this? Looking forward to the continuation of your Captain Kid podcast. Very interesting. Aaron, I'm hoping to complete the final Captain Kid podcast before we start the season. It is an exhausting study of research because he led such an interesting life. Um, and so much of it is, you know, and the part that we're getting into now, the end of it, the trial is so layered and so deep. It's a difficult one to get through, but I'm hoping to do it. No promises. I'm hoping to. Anyway, thanks for the email, Aaron. You bring up a good example of what I'm trying to say here. You are absolutely correct that we have not seen what is, at least in my mind, real hard evidence of man-made box drains, you know, flood tunnels or anything that looks definitively to me like a purposely built booby trap system. So is Dr. Aiken's explanation for the flooding the accurate explanation? You know, that it's just a natural formation, again, which I'm not smart enough to fully comprehend and certainly not smart enough to repeat here. You know, perhaps he's right. But after saying all that that I just said here, all I need to do is hear two words, coconut fiber, and things certainly start to seem less and less definitive in my mind. And therein lies the rub with all this. There is an awful lot of archaeology, despite all I just said about fitting it in, you know, there's a lot of artifacts and things found that just seem really weird. And I think I'm just, despite, again, despite everything I've just said, I think I'm just not ready to toss it all aside in favor of just a scientific survey. So while I agree the artifacts don't change the science, I think it's fair to wonder if it is the be-all and end-all. Is science always the one and only answer? Can the natural geology lead us down a road that seems like a logical explanation, but really isn't? Meaning, could there be a money pit and a sinkhole at the same time? You know, certainly a scientist... Uh, thinks that the science is the one and only answer. But I'm not convinced. And many of these scientists, including Dr. Aiken, like to say there is no money pit or, you know, there's no treasure. He said uh, in one in the past interview, quote, the Oak Island treasure has already been found in the form of surficial and subsurface archaeological artifacts which record the long and storied history of the island. Are we really ready to conclude that now? In order to make that conclusion... We have to accept that everything found on the island, the parchment, the bones, the gold chain links, inscribed stones, medieval crosses, and on and on and on, are either the result of coincidence or misinformation perpetrated over the years by a dishonest party. And I'm just not ready to do all that yet. 
but maybe it is time at least to start going down that road slightly, which nobody seems to do anyway. Why would a medieval cross be there? Was there ever a collector who lived on the island that might have had such a thing? Has anyone ever bothered to find that out? You see what I mean? We jump to conclusions on these things when maybe there is a more logical answer. Perhaps the you know, perhaps the medieval cross is a bad example, but it's the best one I can think of right now. I mean, one can only assume there just has to be a reason for why pieces of human bones would be found at depth other than the only answer given, which is someone died down there digging a treasure vault for the Knights Templar or whoever. I guess what I'm saying is perhaps we need to find a way to fit these artifacts into what the science is telling us a little bit more than just using them as a way to try and disprove the science altogether and perpetrate fantastic ratings-generating uh, theories. Okay. Honestly, my head's going to explode with all this science talk. So let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a different subject regarding Oak Island. I want to go back to our same listener named Joseph who wrote us before. And this time he writes just a one sentence. So if the treasure on Oak Island was already recovered, why would they have left the flood tunnels active? Well, first of all, Joseph, let me just warn you that spending too much time thinking about things like this, all the ifs and buts and ands and that kind of thing on Oak Island, just might lead you down a dark path, a path that might lead to something like starting a podcast. (laughs) It's, uh, it's the path to Oak Island insanity, my friend. Take it from me. Be very scared of these sort of thoughts. Uh, I mean, of course they wouldn't leave the flood tunnels active, right? Just, the, just, just like the idea if someone came and dug down into the money pit to retrieve the treasure already, why would they have bothered to fill it all back in and leave platforms and inscribe stones? It seems logical to me, and that's really the basis of the reason why people are convinced something's still down there. But are we really dealing with logic much when it comes to Oak Island? For example, would a logical thinking person or group of people ever bury their most precious of religious artifacts, things they fought over for centuries and sacrificed their lives to protect? Would they ever really bury them in a hundred foot deep (laughs) hole in the ground an ocean away on an uncharted island off a practically undiscovered continent? If you're Francis Bacon or even his closest friends and followers, is the best way to hide the truth, in quotes, that Bacon was indeed the true author of the Shakespearean works, would the best way to hide that really be to encase the original manuscripts in mercury and bury them in an underground vault in some far-off place now called Mahome Bay, and who knows what it was called then? Probably nothing. Does any of that sound like logic to you? Because it doesn't to me. For some reason, whenever it comes to Oak Island, I'm constantly reminded of the great Arthur Conan Doyle quote when Sherlock Holmes says in The Adventure of the Blanche Soldier, uh, quote, when you have eliminated all of which is impossible, then whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. If we're going to accept that there is a treasure vault down there, that there was an inscribed stone and an elaborate, nigh-impassable booby-trap flood tunnel system, then I think we may have to start operating well and truly in the realm of what the great detective called the improbable. 
Great, great question, sir. I know it's not an answer, but uh, thank you again. Um, I think basically the idea that I'm trying to get across here is, is uh, you know, anything's possible. And our final email is a long one, but it's a good one uh, from Justin who writes, Dave, love the podcast, been binge listening and have made it to the midpoint of season seven recaps. I'll be listening to all episodes and I've considered waiting to ask you this until I'm caught up, but I can't get this off my mind and I'd love to hear your take. I've already covered something like this. Uh, I think you've already covered something like this in an episode. If I haven't heard it yet, forgive me. Um, Again, Justin, you're going down a dark road here. But okay, anyway, here it goes. Uh, Has anyone ever considered or researched the possibility that the money pit is not part of the depositing operation, but rather part of the removal operation? Hear me out. Could it be that McGinnis and others found in 1795, depression and ground, block and tackle on a limb, et cetera, et cetera, and the money pit, including the Oak Island platforms every 10 feet, the 90-foot stone, and the flood tunnels, was part of a project to extract and relocate the supposed treasure. Then, as what might be the world's greatest distraction, the extractors remove all signs of their presence and booby-trap the entire pit to thwart off any future searchers. Perhaps the extractors sensed someone knew of the treasure, so they removed it, but also wanted to ensure whoever might search would encounter a terribly difficult dig and ultimately a dead end. In a related speculation, it does seem that the swamp, paved area, eye, etc., could have been part of the 13th, 14th century depositing operation due to the incredibly early dates that Dr. Spooner and others have concluded to be the origin date of the swamp. So perhaps a ship was sailed between the two islands, offloaded by way of the paved area, deposited underground on the eastern island through one of the swamp anomalies. Then that ship was burned, sunk, and walled into this man-made swamp. However, I'm wondering if the slipway, UNL-shaped structures, and the so-called money pit, which have all been dated to the mid to late 1700s, were simply part of the removal and relocation effort. Would this then mean that the true front door is in the swamp? The money pit itself would be the back door and the giant middle finger to anyone coming to the island attempting to unearth this treasure. Wow, that's a lot of speculation. I, of course, have no evidence. But as I said, I'm wondering if any scenario such as this has ever been considered or researched. After all, what McGinnis and his two pals found was a massive and myst- was massive and mysterious. But do we have any real evidence to suggest that the money pit was actually a depositor shaft? Can't wait to hear this discussion. Keep up the great work, Justin from Virginia. Justin, no. I mean, um, no and yes. Yes, people have gone along these lines. Um, All possibilities with what some of this stuff might be have been discussed. Um, I would say, yes, I've heard discussions like this. Uh, Let's do this. It, It seems that First of all, let me say, it seems you two have def- definitely and defiantly uh, made your way into the area of what uh, the area of detective work, which uh, Sherlock Holmes called improbable. But is your theory really impossible? I'm not so sure. I'll admit you lost me for a second there when you started thinking and talking about, quote unquote, world's greatest distraction and things like uh, the extractors removed all signs of their presence and booby trapped the entire pit to thwart off any future searchers. My first thought was, nah, come on now, you're just trying to connect dots where there's no dots to connect. But alas, moments later, when you opine that, quote, perhaps the extractors sensed someone knew of the treasure, so they removed it, 
but also wanted to ensure whoever might search would encounter a terribly difficult dig, you kind of pulled me back in. Like I said, a lot of what you're talking about here has been discussed, but specifically, more than one Oak Island theorist believes the treasure was indeed much more widely known than by just the original depositors. And then over the centuries turned into kind of legend, right? Because it was not found by anybody looking. For example, take our friend James McQuiston, who's written a book after book on his theory of the Oak Island mystery, including a brand new one released only days ago called Oak Island and the Mayflower. Now stay subscribed to this show. We're going to have an interview with Mr. McQuiston. He's been on the show a bunch of times. I'm trying to, we're scheduling it for later on in October. So it should appear just in the beginning of November, uh, assuming all goes right. Um, he's got some fascinating stuff and really keeps his, his, his theory really keeps evolving and he kind of keeps adding more to it. Um, as his research continues. Anyway, part of his theory is this idea that through family relations, and relations that when you read about them are just going to blow your mind, McGinnis and his pals didn't just happen across the money pit by accident. Perhaps they rode across the bay to Oak Island looking precisely for this treasure that they knew about. Add that fact to your theory and it becomes quite a bit less improbable, don't you think? If somebody buried this and knew that this information could be passed around, maybe we find a way to kind of hide this all and keep any potential searchers from getting there. I mean, it seems to me that if you are going to accept that there's booby traps and this is 100 feet down and all this kind of stuff, the only reason why you would go through this elaborate idea of protecting your treasure you know, at all costs is because perhaps you think there is a possibility someone is coming to look for it. Does that make sense to kind of add that in there? As most Oak Island fans know, the idea of a back door as you subscribe, or you called it a front door, is not at all new. Author Randall Sullivan is among those who believe there must be another way in, an easier way somewhere likely underwater now, I think he says, due to the rising sea level. So kind of along the coast, you know, and as the sea levels rise uh, due to climate change over the centuries, um, you no longer can find this. And others believe that uh, kind of one of these other entrances can be found in the swamp or many other places. Um, what I'll say is this, Justin, you're, you're not off here. Uh, your theory is one that other people share, and it's one that certainly needs to be looked at as we bring in other parts of the story here. The ice holes off, um, you know, off the shore there, the south shore there that uh, Dan Blankenship discovered decades ago. The swamp, um, the cave-in pit, you know, there's a lot of places where we're sort of thinking about where this other entrance might be to get to this. Because, yes, going straight down a 100-foot shaft seems to be the least, uh, <laughs> the, the hardest way to deposit such an enormous treasure. Anyway, Justin, keep digging, man. Keep digging.
So that's it for this episode of Digging Oak Island. Please remember, um, I'd like to keep in mind what I said before. I'd like to know what you guys think will happen for season eight of The Curse of Oak Island and or what you would like to see happen. You know, so look kind of a wish list. Send your ideas uh, via email, digginoakisland at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. We're at Digging Oak Island. While you're there, give us a like. That would be much appreciated. But I'd love to be able to put together a preview show of the new season that kind of really brings in your ideas of what you want to see happen and what you think will see happen. So send those in. Don't forget to subscribe to the show uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review us on iTunes if you can. For reasons I don't really understand, it helps to get the word out on the show. Thank you to everyone who has done that already, who's left us a five-star rating. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. So until we speak again, I'm Dave McBride. Thank you for listening to Digging Oak Island.